Are you an architect, designer, contractor, or engineer? Modeler.com is a platform connecting architects and other specifiers with building product manufacturers. Modeler.com's engaged network of 168,000 architects, designers, and construction professionals use Modeler.com's tools to discover, discuss, and specify products appropriate for building projects. We at KZSU Stanford thank Modeler.com for the generous underwriting of the production and broadcasting costs of The Modern Architect. KZSU, Stanford University's FM radio station, broadcasting across the Bay Area on 90.1 FM and across the world at kzsu.org. From the campus of Stanford University, this is the Modern Architect radio show and podcast, featuring one-on-one interviews with renowned and cutting-edge architects, influencers, and sustainability leaders. The show and podcast will inform, educate, and illuminate the transformation, joy, and inspiration architecture brings to our cities, communities, and lives. Hosted by architecture aficionado and principal of Accurate, Tom Dioro. Thank you, Darlene. For our guest today, please welcome Peter Schallard, founder and CEO at Commit to Action. Commit to Action helps business owners outsource their battle for focus and effectiveness. Their executive effectiveness aid service turns entrepreneurs into the highest leverage versions of themselves. Peter's also the shrink for entrepreneurs who want wealth, freedom, and sanity so they can create impact. For more information, feel free to visit www.commit.com action.com and www.petershallard.com. Hi, Peter. We're honored. We truly are honored and excited to have you on the Modern Architect radio show today. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. Yeah. Peter, you know, I'd like to start with some early, uh, early influence. What I mean by that is what you're doing now, if you can go back as far as you can recall as to how you got into the field and becoming the shrink for entrepreneurs, if you can go back as far as you can remember, like, hey, you know what, I kind of think it started at this age or at this time or an epiphany. Share with us, please. That's a really good question. I think that for me, this whole journey started probably when I was a high school kid. And I was, and it really began with initially being drawn to the field of psychology. And what got me there, if we're really going back, was wanting to understand how and why people do what they do. I found myself as a sort of an angsty, confused teenager, not necessarily being able to get on that well with people and and sort of understand them. Other human beings seem to be kind of, yeah, deeply sort of confusing to me as a kid. And it's sort of funny because I've been on such a journey with that that it's almost hard for me to remember. I don't sort of recognize myself in those memories. But what happened, I started to get really interested in psychology at a pretty young age and started kind of picking up books and reading all sorts of things, even when I was in high school. And that kicked off this passion that led me to ultimately build my first business, which was, you know, I went out and trained and became a psychotherapist in New Zealand, which is where I'm originally from. And my first business was a like a brick and mortar therapy practice where I had an office and people would come in to see me. And I, I saw clients who were wrestling with a range of, you know, deeply personal, pretty heavy things. I built the way that I got the business to work, which was a very rocky road, if I'm honest, was because uh, I had no idea what I was doing, was I built a, I built some relationships with uh, primary care practitioners in the, in the area. So MDs who would send me people where there was a shift in thinking and behavior that was required to get them to a healthy place. And as you can imagine, some of those people had some pretty big challenges. So that was my that was my very first business. And then sort of long, very long story short, I actually met an entrepreneur who came into the practice to get rid of a flying phobia that they were like paralyzed, catatonic by a fear of flying. Okay. Yeah. And so they were a revelation for me. I was trying to figure out what I wanted to do. And I was sort of learning about this business and feeling 
pretty burnt out already from working with these people. And this entrepreneur was just kind of night and day different to a lot of clients that I had worked with. He was really hungry for change. We were incredibly successful in treating the phobia. And he actually came back and sort of said, that was great. Like, here's some other things about my thinking I want to change. And so he was incredibly sort of tool hungry, right? Like psychologically ready for growth. And it was my first time really encountering a growth mindset, like a, a strong growth mindset in an individual. So I, uh, I, I kind of realized that was something that was exciting. I started chatting with this guy. We built a great rapport and started kind of talking to him. And he was the first person who in my professional life kind of explained to me that I was a business owner now. This is something I think a lot of like service professionals can relate to is that yes. you go do your training, you know, you get skilled and you kind of have that passion and desire for freedom. You want to work for yourself and be the captain of your own ship, but you just can sort of end up doing that. And for me, it was like taking a lease on an office, committing to overhead, really building my own business without realizing that I was actually building my own business. So this was the first guy who talked to me about that. Helped me see some problems with what I was doing because, you know, things weren't working that well. It was, you know, it was a tough, tough kind of a grind. I was working exceptionally hard for not all that much money. And uh, he kicked off for me a passion and really you know, for learning about business itself. And then if we fast forward, you know, many more years, I kind of really got into the business entrepreneurial community, started really doing my second education in life based on, you know, that stuff, learning about sales, learning about marketing, all these things that I had to overcome a lot of mental roadblocks that I thought I would never have to do or were icky and not, you know, for somebody who was a professional like me, letting go of the belief that just because I think I'm the best at psychology, that people aren't going to just walk in the door and demand my (laughs) services and throw money at me. So all that kind of stuff. And then ultimately... After years of kind of evolving and and starting to work through referral, through word of mouth with more and more of these business owners, that first guy kind of referred me a few other people and it kind of grew. And so one day I looked up at my roster, my client schedule and was like, wow, I really work with a lot of CEOs, a lot of people who do their own thing. And so from there was a hop, skip and a jump to the brand of the shrink for entrepreneurs. And I started blogging about the intersection of business and psychology, this sort of passion, this combination of my two passions. Back in the day when no one was doing that and I got a lot of attention for that material, built a brand online, started having people request to work with me from all around the world, the founders of some cool startups and really exciting businesses uh, who wanted to jump on the phone with this guy who was the shrink for entrepreneurs. And then I ended up, yeah, in moving to New York City. And now I work with some of the best and brightest, most kind of disruptive founders of some of the most exciting companies in the world. My client roster, you know, contains founders who have raised hundreds of millions of dollars of venture capital and built companies with market capitalization exceeding billions of dollars at this point. So that's terrific. And myself as well. Thank you, Peter. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah right. Yeah, right. for sure. And along the way, well, we didn't talk about that. I also, yeah. I kind of got the itch and built my own company, which was separate from and bigger than me, something that scales, that isn't just a service delivery business. And that's Commit Action, mm-hmm. which I believe you are a customer of, right? Yeah. Yes, yeah. for sure. For a while. Taylor Shaw, ex- outstanding. Outstanding. Uh, it's a, it's amazing. Um, I, I, I'll go back to switch around to the... Uh, I like it. It's all in your mind and it is in your mind. When did you kind of arrive at that? If you've arrived at it or if it it even evolves? Well, so you're referring to, uh, I think I have that on my website. Yeah. Yeah. It's relevant. Yeah. 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 So, I mean, I think for a lot of business owners, that was a really, that's a really kind of interesting message to understand that and, you know, when I talk to people, they're usually in pain. When folks find me and, and book in consults with me and sort of come into my office virtually or otherwise, there's usually something going on that's deeply problematic for them. And I think in those moments of crisis for a business owner, an entrepreneur, when it feels like the proverbial SHIT is hitting the yeah. fan, yeah. right? For it's sure. really a relief to realize that a huge part of the pain, the suffering that they're experiencing is in their head that there's a shift in perspective, you know, a shift in thinking that can really transform the situation. And so, you know, I think that there's 
there's a message of optimism there that things can change and get better because it's not real. It's all just in your head. Yeah, for sure. What you also have a correlation that's convenient for me is I like to lift weights. And uh, I, I remember a, a part of your blog or your series, you talked about there was a link between lifting weights, your sets and reps and, and actual work, uh, entrepreneurship and your business and your life. Uh, do I have it correct that there, were, there was a correlation in uh, one of your case studies of like lifting uh, an exercise and how, how it's not too dissimilar to that challenge, you know, whatever mental challenges you're overcoming to actually getting physically transforming your body, strengthening it. Yeah. So that's something that connection is something that we talk about a lot over at my company commit action. And so, you know, for our listeners, what we do there is help entrepreneurs and business owners become the highest leverage version of themselves possible. And the way that we do that is we provide a sort of an accountability service where we pair them up with an executive effectiveness aid. and somebody who kind of works with you to manage your to-do list, hold you accountable to what's on it, help you plan it out, clarify what's on there and checks in with you and follows up every week to keep you on track. And so the idea, the thing that we talk about a lot is that in the game of entrepreneurship, execution is everything. And the thing about building a business is that it's really difficult. If every, you know, if it was easy, absolutely everyone would be doing it. And the truth is, is that, you know, most people do not. It's not easy. It's one of the toughest things that we can do in life. And it has a incredibly long sort of feedback loop. You have to take an incredible amount of action for a really long time, months, years, before you get confirmation from the world, from the sort of universe externally, that the, the decision you made was a great thing before you get what you want. Most people start businesses because they want wealth, they want freedom, uh, they want success and recognition. And you could be years away from from actually getting those things. And so the reason that I like to draw parallels to things like weightlifting is because those also psychologically kind of similar activities for human okay. beings because you have to make a short-term sacrifice. You have to do something that's really literally uncomfortable in the present that's building towards a sort of a long-term abstract ideal of, you know, being in the best shape of your life or whatever it is that you're aiming for in the gym. And so it's, it's kind of a similar journey. And like, you know, like weight, weightlifting, entrepreneurs succeed best when they, sh- when they figure out how to do those high leverage actions and they show up every day and just kind of focus on what's presently in front of them. They kind of do the work. They, they lift the thing and put it back down again. So, yeah. Yeah. And it, there, there's so many great, uh, I don't even call them quotes. They're just like axioms. Like another one that's recent is the freedom is an illusion. That was just mind stopping when I, when I read that, I went, wait a minute. Yeah. Freedom isn't an illusion. Can you share with us how and why freedom is an illusion? <laughs> yeah. So I talk about freedom a lot and I think largely it's a good thing. The problem with freedom is that it, it's a deep, it's a big value for a lot of people who are drawn towards starting their own company, right? Like sure. to be, you know, a lot of people talk about wanting to make a dent in the universe, make an impact, but there's a ton of people who start businesses because deep down they just don't want to have a boss. They just don't want to be kind of beholden to somebody else. They want to be the captain of their own ship and feel like they can go anywhere, maybe be re- remote location independent. So that's often what freedom means. I think that there's a psychological problem that is really something that affects entrepreneurs once they've kind of been at it for a while, which is that freedom is an interesting kind of value. It's an interesting psychological concept. It's something that we can only define mentally through an absence of itself. So freedom in and of itself doesn't really mean anything to to define freedom, to understand it at a sort of an unconscious level. You have to you have to understand the concept of escaping bonds or constraints in some way, shape or form. So freedom is a relative term because you can be free of something, right? So in order to have an experience of freedom, you basically have to have an experience of being trapped or stuck in some way, shape or form. And so for the clients that I work with as the shrink for entrepreneurs, some of whom are pretty, you know, sophisticated founders who have, you know, done some pretty big things. I try to evolve their values 
beyond freedom. I think a desire for freedom is a great goal if you're starting out, if you're, you know, you haven't really had it before, that will fire you up and motivate you. But once you've really built a business, once you're an entrepreneur and you're sort of graduated into that world and you're you're up and running, you know, you're full time, you're doing your thing, you're making some money and you've got some freedom, it's essential that your values set sort of evolves and you figure out what it is that you're really chasing. Because the problem with freedom is once you have it, it's also because it's a relative term, it's impossible to define what it means to have more of it. You're either it's very binary. You're either free or you're not. So yeah, there's some really interesting kind of dynamics and issues there. And I like to see entrepreneurs. I've seen entrepreneurs be much more successful, much happier, much more fulfilled when they figure out what it is that they're chasing beyond the freedom. Once you have it, what then do you want to build? Because you can't define your your life's purpose and your career by just continually trying to escape something. Outstanding. You're listening to The Modern Architect, KZSU Stanford, 90.1 FM. Scholarship America believes that every student, regardless of financial status, deserves an opportunity to go to college. Since its founding, Scholarship America has distributed more than 3 billion to 2 million students nationwide. It supports a number of leading programs, including Dollars for Scholars, Dream Keepers, and Scholarship Management Services. You can help make a difference in the lives of students. To learn more, visit scholarshipamerica.org. We're talking today with Peter Shallard, founder and CEO at Commit to Action and Peter Shallard. For more information, you can visit petershallard.com and commitaction.com. Peter, I like to evolve their values. I Sometimes you think of values as just like that. It's set in stone, but actually you moved it beyond it saying evolved their values. Can you share with our uh, audience and uh, listeners your experiences with Evolve Their Values? Well, yeah. I mean, I think for anyone who's listening in, and I'm assuming, you know, some of your listeners must be people who either, you know, have their own business or want to have their own business someday. Yes. I think that it's important to understand that I'm often, sometimes my critics accuse me of being cynical because I, I love talking about how there's no such thing as a free lunch. If it was easy, everyone would be doing it. Entrepreneurship <laughs> is really hard. It is difficult to build yes. a business, but it is also the most rewarding thing that I believe any human being can actually do. I think it's kind of the ultimate challenge for humans. Now, I won't just kind of pay that concept lip service. Let's talk about why. Entrepreneurship being at the pointy end of value creation, being 100% responsible for basically going out, turning strangers into customers, finding a way to deliver a product or service to them for less than it costs for you to deliver it, right? So you've got that margin, you know, creating compelling reasons for people to give you money, really creating value in the world, being insulated, you know, from competition just through the sheer kind of force and and intelligence of your ability to execute. Mm -hmm. All of that, that journey is I believe to be the most significant real journey for personal growth in a deep and real psychological sense that's actually available to us in the modern world. I think that if you, you know, if you think going to a Tony Robbins workshop as a trip or okay. something like that, try starting your own business because nothing, nothing on earth will shine a light on the dark places of your psyche, will drag you by the nose to your personal blind spots, to the cognitive biases that affect the way that you kind of see the world and prevent you from understanding the truth. You will learn so much about yourself. And one of the biggest things and and this is something I see not just with people who who learn and get chewed and chewed up and spat out and struggle and fail in business, but actually from people who succeed is that they realize that the things that they thought mattered to them kind of change and evolve over time, that their values, the things that they get out of bed to go and kind of create start to shift and evolve. And that freedom kind of dichotomy that the challenge and problem of, of setting freedom as a goal is the perfect example. So many entrepreneurs start their first business because they just want to be free more yeah, than anything. Sure. But freedom isn't actually that difficult for an entrepreneur to kind of create. You can, you know, you can get have a pretty small business and have some freedom. And so as soon as you get it, you know, I talk to a lot of clients who sink into a bit of an existential void because they've checked off the value that they were pursuing. And so then that evolution, that question is asked, what else? What more are we doing? So, you know, entrepreneurship, when it works, is a journey of significant upward mobility. That's what it's about. You know, people want to create results bigger and better than what they've done before. 
core with their own business. And as you do that, your values, the very way that you understand what matters in life evolves as well. Bam. Excellent. Peter, boy, you hit that one over the center field fence. That was outstanding. What about the wealth? I like how you come up with these axioms are just, they're, they're simple, but I know there's a lot of work, even within yourself, Peter, for you to arrive not only at that, but to actually state that to the world about knowing who you are. And I notice a lot of theme is knowing who you are. How would, how would, could someone go about that? Finding out, hey, who the heck am I? And why do I want to do what I do? And, you know, how do you help them? You've explained a lot of it, but how do you do it within your own self so that you're, you're an example to the people that you're actually helping lead? How do I do? How yeah, do for I yourself, do for yourself, and arrive at this because um, I think it's first has to start with you. You have to kind of uncover a lot of the caves and go through all the webs of your own soul before you finally go, guys. Look at I discovered this, and we're all you know we're all human. So here's what here's what uh, here's what was discovered. How do you do it for yourself? That that is a. That is a deep question, <laughs> profound question. All right, let me try. Let me try to answer it. <laughs> I think for me, I think about in terms of my my own development as just as an entrepreneur, but also as a human. I think about two things that my thesis is that these are kind of master traits. That actually maybe three things that are sort of capabilities, skill sets, and and philosophies that I uh, that I want to develop. They are conscientiousness, okay. self awareness, and empathy. So conscientiousness is simply the, the the ability to work hard. It's the delayed gratification trait. It's something that doesn't come naturally to me. My confession is that I actually started my first business because I'm lazy. I really, and, and I was also very naive. I really believed that doing my own thing was going to be a lot easier and less of a hassle than going to work for somebody else. I didn't like the sound of kind of have, finding a job in my field. Uh, and it was just out of sheer kind of laziness that I wanted to do my own thing. And my personal kind of journey with that and struggle with that was really what characterized the first maybe five, six, seven, eight years of my career was kind of wrestling with the fact that I didn't really want to do anything, that I had this kind of tendency towards laziness. And so conscientiousness, a sort of a conscious willingness and desire to take action on the uncomfortable sometimes scary, sometimes outright painful things that require sort of expedient action in the present to build something long-term, something really worth having to kind of really engage in that journey of delayed gratification, right? Okay. Leaving leaving nice gifts for myself in the future by taking action today. That was really one of the first skill sets that I tried to develop for myself. Does that make sense? Yes, yes. Again, there's such a lot of internal work that's maybe more internal work than if you kind of tried to go through the earth and all of the universe because you're you're having to face some very real pains and very real insecurities. Uh, right, right on. And then yeah, the other the other thing that well the second two things were of the two things was self-awareness. Okay. So being able to being able to really be honest like we talked about blind spots and sort of dark corners really being able to kind of understand the self i think that especially amongst entrepreneurs and i'm certainly not the only person to have said this uh, self-awareness is almost like a superpower. Being able to understand what's going on inside of your own head, why it is that you do the things that you do, have the impulses that you have, right? Taking yeah. a lot of unconscious behavior and being able to break it down and evaluate it with the conscious mind. Getting to the place where, you know, for example, one of the things I am privileged enough to do now is a lot of speaking from the stage. I get invited to events. I get to talk to a lot of entrepreneurs. And so understanding the like using self-awareness to kind of break down my process for that and really evaluate what I was doing wrong and how I could improve things and and, and being kind of at times almost painfully uh, painfully aware of capability gaps room for improvement seeing kind of how and how I can do things better and getting curious about how I can kind of push myself so self-awareness is and I think also being vulnerable being able to admit and be clear with people about you know what you 
you can do and what you can't shortcomings, right? I think in the business world, network and connection is a huge thing and, and, and self-awareness to show up as a real person, be vulnerable and really connect is the superpower in that kind of aspect of things. Yeah, I like that you say that it's a superpower, but at least for my experience and it sounds like yours as well is you almost have to bring yourselves down to below your knees, almost to where you're just heaps of weeping, <laughs> just because like, who am I? What do I want out of this life? And this is, and then you, then you rise up as much as you kind of fall down, you, you rise yourself up. But again, as an entrepreneur, uh, you got to want to do that within yourself. Do you find that uh, something that's vital uh, or maybe I'm reaching that you got to want it yourself? Totally. I mean, I think that you know, this life certainly isn't for everyone. And I think that there's a, it's funny, like there's a statistic that the US Treasury put out that one in three adults in America want, in the US, want to be an entrepreneur, want to start, have a desire to start their own business. And I think the the irony of that statistic is that I think that there's a ton of entrepreneurs, ton of business owners who really are pretty miserable in their business day to day that don't really have much fun and don't enjoy what they're doing. And I think the reason for that is that they didn't know what they were signing up for. And, and once they kind of arrived at it and, and really got to face some of the challenges, that they shun the journey of personal discovery, the evolution of the self that running a business requires. Because that's what a business is. Like I, I tell my clients, a company that you own, that you build is a is a human growing machine, right? It's almost like a it's almost like a kind of an insane machine at a gym that just puts you in it and makes you kind of <laughs> fight with it and and, yeah. and tests every aspect aspect of your, you know, your stamina, your courage, your intelligence. And if you're not up for that, right, then it's going to, it's going to constantly be a struggle. It's going to be really painful. If you are up for like going on that journey of becoming more self-aware than you ever thought was possible, that's going to be great. Um, that's excellent. Uh, you know, I, I saw you some Peter is um, on your website, peterschallard.com. And you've got the, the a great photo of you in the, the seat, the chair and uh, I look at I look at just your eyes and it looks as I'll tell you mate you look as hard as the as the president of the hell's angels <laughs> and you're in your That's eyes super okay but but here's here's what's here's the other part of it and then there's other when you move through the website I notice they I see there's other photos of you and I look at you and you look like a five-year-old boy and that's what I thought. What an interesting contrast is at the front. There's just this, this steeliness and then there's this youthfulness and that, that's a total you, but arriving at the time is knowing when you need to be steely and when you need to be, have that sense of wonderment. You're definitely there, at least on your, on your website. But as we talked earlier, that takes a lot of growth inside and a, and a strong, I think a strong want to. It really has to be like you want it so bad you just you, you beyond tasting it is is there if I'm reaching a little too much into it tell me Peter but that's what I've I discovered at least seeing that and how you express you know what it is that you do and how the value that you bring. Yeah. I mean, I think that, like I keep saying, it's, you know, that the entrepreneurial life is is not for everyone. But I think that if I can, you know, really, really wax lyrically about philosophical matters, I would say that, you know, a lot of people spend their lives trying to avoid suffering. And I think it's particularly in the West, particularly in the US, we're obsessed with that, right? pain, sure, negative yeah. emotions, avoiding all of them. There's like pills for that. You know, when we feel bad, we go exactly. eat something hot with tons of sugar that makes us feel better. Entrepreneurship is a is a is an almost proactive pact to kind of dance with the devil, right? You know <laughs> that life is going to get tough and you're going to hurt and there's going to be a little bit of suffering. I think you know, to take the conversation to that slightly woo-woo place, I think that there really is a yin and yang to life that, you know, that in the end, everybody suffers. And and this is what all of the experts, you know, people who have these messages of, you know, you, why you should quit your day job and start a business and all that kind of stuff. And I do believe they're right. There is a case for that optimism. What it boils down to is that, you know, that that thing is really safe. That if you think that you're going to just kind of phone it in and work for a big fortune 500 and kind of try to work there for 30 
30 years and get the gold watch and retire. Like, you know, that, I don't know if that was ever real. There were people who lived that life, but I think that that, that world is over now and, and everything is changing very quickly. Technology is making the world unrecognizable every 10, 15 years. And so, you know, things are going to upset the apple cart. Everybody is kind of at risk. And, and the thing about the entrepreneurial life and really what it means to kind of sign up and commit yourself to building your own thing is that you're basically staring down that that chaos, that change, right? Like all of this uncertainty in the future, 2018, right? There's never been yeah. a more relevant time to talk about an uncertain future. I don't know if you've seen the news, but... <laughs> Yeah. You know, an entrepreneur is somebody who looks at all of that and says, I'm not going to hide from it. I'm not even going to wait for it. I'm going to proactively run out towards it and meet it sort of fists up and conquer it, you know? And and I think that, like I said, I think everybody suffers. The thing that liberates entrepreneurs that's so cool is that they they choose the suffering. They pick it. They say, I want this challenge, right? And that's why it's, you know, to bring full, full circle, that's why it's similar to weightlifting because, you know, no one goes, no one goes to the gym to, to, to bench press or do squats hoping that it's not going to feel bad. They're not expecting a massage, (laughs) you know. Very true. This is outstanding. This is The Modern Architect on KZSU, Stanford, 90.1 FM. Every two seconds, someone in the U.S. needs blood. However, of the 60% of Americans eligible to donate blood, less than 5% actually do. And in the Bay Area, only 3% of those eligible donate. Stanford Blood Center supplies local patients with more than 100,000 blood products per year to help save lives. SBC relies on donors like you to ensure that blood is available when patients need it most. Consider making a difference by donating blood. You could save a life. For more information, visit bloodcenter.stanford.edu. We're talking today with Peter Shallard, founder and CEO at Commit to Action and petershallard.com. For more information, you can visit petershallard.com and commitaction.com. Peter, the wealth, freedom, and sanity. How did you arrive at those three very poignant and uh, strong, strong words? Yeah. Well, actually, I can answer that question by kind of finishing what I was talking about before, because I said there were three things that I focus on. Okay. And the, and it's the third thing that, that I focus on for my self-development that actually helped me arrive at those three things. So the third thing is empathy. When you build that conscientiousness muscle, when you have self-awareness, a willingness to look in the mirror. The last thing is the relationship to others, right? The, the relationship okay. to other people. And I think that this is something that Empathy is something that it's hard for non-entrepreneurs to understand the significance of. The thing about building a business is that you think that you know what people want. The world is full of entrepreneurs who started something to scratch their own itch. But the truth is, is that other human beings are hard to understand. They're different to us. You know, as much as we're all the same, there's a lot of kind of differences and a lot of entrepreneurs struggle because they can't really place themselves inside the minds and the shoes of the customer. And so that's something that, you know, that I've really worked hard to understand. And and what you're seeing on my, you know, I can tell you're kind of looking through my website as we're talking. What you're seeing is a reflection of a long journey in sort of empathy in, t- in terms of understanding the avatar of the person that I'm trying to reach. So I work with these entrepreneurs, these founders, many of whom, are, you know, bootstrap business owners. Mm-hmm. There's a few of those. They're, they're venture capital backed, like technology founders. You know, some of the bootstrap people are, you know, folks with enviable lifestyle businesses. They're really successful people. And what I've done is really sit down and think about, well, what is it like to be one of those people? What, <laughs> what is it that they really struggle with? Who are they? And what is the transformation that they're trying to affect in their life? And those three words are literally what my target market want. They're what entrepreneurs want. They want wealth. They want freedom. And the, the thing is, is that neither of those things make sense to kind of kill yourself or make yourself crazy pursuing. So it's the ultimate hat trick, wealth, mm. freedom, and sanity all at the same time, if you can pull that off, 
well, now we're really talking. And that's that's the that's the value of what I do. That's what I try to make happen for my clients is wealth, freedom, and sanity at the same time. Super, super. One, one of the quotes I have here from a, one of your, probably a longtime client says, this was not about setting better goals. This was about shifting my identity. That's a I'm not sure a lot of people want to change their identity. You really have to be what you have here, self-actualized or self-aware to say, you know what? I'm willing to shift and look at life, not so much as creating your life, but actually discovering who you are. Is that part of your process? Yeah, I think for sure. I think that, uh, you know, a lot of people focus on solving problems that their lot in their lives at a very sort of low level and the kind of neurological hierarchy of of how they're focusing, how they're trying to get things done. Entrepreneurs who are stuck will, you know, tell themselves that they need to shift where they're working from and go get an office or a co-working space or try out working from home or head to the coffee shop to kind of Mm. sort of fix up their productivity, you know, or behaviorally, maybe they'll download like a new software that tracks their time or does something like that to make them focus. I'm just picking like a productivity problem, just, just kind of, for example. But the thing, the thing about real change is that it starts, it starts getting significant when we, when we really get into the identity, the, the story, the narrative that you tell yourself about who it is that you really are. You know, the reason that people struggle with the deepest forms of self-sabotage, you know, for any listener who's contemplating doing something big in their life, who's had a dream maybe to start a business and has hang, hung back on it, right? Has has procrastinated taking the first steps, that kind of thing. That usually what's going on is, is not a problem to do with the environment or the behaviors that they're carrying out or even their capabilities and what they know how to do. It's usually something about the beliefs that they have in terms of how they see the world and themselves in it, the values that they're holding, right? The priorities mm-hmm. that they consider to be significant or just that even higher, that personal identity, that sense of who it is that they are and what it would mean to take action. And it's, you know, for that reason that, you know, the, the, the age-old classic example is like the aspiring writer mm-hmm. with a book that they're mm-hmm. trying to finish <laughs> or whatever, you know. And for that person, they're constantly working away, a perfectionist, always white writing, never done. And they begin to build this narrative of themselves as a struggling writer, as somebody who's working on the book. Now, finishing the book and handing it to a publisher, sending it out to agents is the last thing that somebody <laughs> with that narrative of their identity wants to do, right? A lot of people sure. never do that. They, they work on their book for decades. They they never, ever finish it. It's the worst case of self-sabotage. The reason is, is because they've built this narrative, this identity around the idea of being a writer. And so long as they're working on the book, right, that identity yeah. is never challenged or questioned. As soon as they finish the book, and if there's a risk that that book is rejected, that it fails, that people tell them it's no good, then now their identity has to be that of a bad writer, of a failed <laughs> writer, right? Yes, and so, so true. And so they build up this insane self-sabotage where they can't act. They can't carry out and finish their most important goal because to do so risks the annihilation of the identity that they're most proud of. And so, you know, if we want to make big things happen in life, we have to really start thinking critically about who we see ourselves as. And again, self-awareness, getting some humility around that and freeing ourselves to be free to iterate and to execute without fearing failure. That's what it's all about. That's terrific. So many great examples here that I have. Um, we're going to run out of time here. The thing, I'll, I'll quote this, the thing about being a celebrity is that you're permanently giving a gift. A true celebrity of the Madonna variety, you write, gives the gift by walking into a Beverly Hills Starbucks. They're literally lighting up the lives of the people who see them. They're never not giving their gift. Is that at, at some point, it sounds like that's where everyone needs to arrive. 
I, I, you're, which, what article are you quoting? I don't from? even I know. Feel like you're, hit, you're heading deep into my archives here because this is a blog <laughs> I, post you found somewhere. I don't recall, Peter. I just know that you know. In the research for you, and before we get on shows, I really, I try to discover as much as I, as much as I can with the time I have. Yeah, and this was I'm one that I went. This. this one was one. I know it was you, but I went. Wow, that's it. Is is not everyone looking to arrive at their Madonna state? I mean, obviously we're not all singers or uh, musical artists, but in our own space, we're we're working to be that. Yeah, I'm trying to remember the uh, I'm trying to remember the significance of of what the point I was trying to make with that example because that sounds to me like a metaphor I was using because I I pretty much only write for entrepreneurs, not sort of celebrities or people who are trying to just get famous. But I think that it probably has something to do with the idea that you know when you completely and succinctly understand what it is that your kind of gift is like what your zone of genius is when you develop a sort of a confidence and a certainty psychologically and how it is that you create value in the world and this is the key for entrepreneurs you also have to build structure around yourself an organization that supports you to kind of just do that one thing or those things that make you really really great then yeah i mean that's the kind of the holy land right like that's the promised place of just being able to show up and do your thing and be who it is that you really are. And and I think that when we hear those legends about like, you know, Steve Jobs or Richard Branson, these sort of titans of industry who, you know, Elon Musk, who we admire as these incredible entrepreneurs, it seems like they've arrived that place where they can just kind of wake up and walk into, you know, the office to the place where they do what they do. And this organization around them just kind of whirls and functions and elevates them to kind of create value and do what it is that they do. And that's where I try to get, you know, the, 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 clients on my client roster and in any organization that they're building. It's, you know, get that clarity, know how it is that you create the value and and build the structure, build the organization that's going to take care of the other pieces. Yeah, I like that build that clarity. There's another quote that I didn't find that you said, Peter, who was actually from um, the first Getty. Yeah, the very first Getty was said, I, I read that they asked, he was asked, you know, if you can give your children anything, what gift, what are you going to give them? And uh, he paused, oh, this is an old grainy video, and he paused and said, my struggle. And it just kind of blew me away to say, wait a minute, you have got pretty much everything in the world and you, you wish you could gift. It was gift, not give, gift your struggle. And... uh Every now and then I think about that. What's your thought on what he likely meant or your interpretation of what he meant? Well, it's funny. It's timely. My uh, my wife is pregnant with our first oh, congratulations. kid on the way. Thank That's you. terrific. Yeah, That's so terrific. I'm definitely thinking about you know what it means to be a parent and a father and all that stuff. Yeah, I, look, I think this was Paul Getty that you're talking about. Yes, I believe so. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, what do you give – you know, what do you give someone who has everything, right? I think that the answer to that question is perspective. And I think that that's what he's, what he's ultimately trying to say that, you know, for a kid who's, you know, brought up as the, the heir to a, you know, squillion dollar fortune, whatever it was that he was worth. I mean, I'm keeping in mind, this is the guy who wrote the book called How to Be Rich. It's a hilarious book if anybody wants to look it up. It's what is it? Like, how, how to Be Rich? It's, it's called? called How to Be okay. Rich. It's very old school. And it's, you know, it's got, it's not a how to get rich guide, although it does have a bit of that. It literally tells you how to be rich. Like once you're already rich, just how to do it. Like appreciate the opera, you know, eat, drink, enjoy fine wines. It's like a guide to living from this guy. It's pretty funny. And I think that, you know, I think that somebody like that thinking about, you know, and I have a few clients who are approaching those levels of kind of success, you know, relatively. I think that, I think that, you know, giving your children a sense of perspective is crucial because it's incredible the, you know, the history of like cross generational screw ups and disasters, right? You know, there's the, it's like what's the old saying? Like the first generation makes the money, the second generation plays with it, and the third loses what, it. 
yeah. The, yeah, plays with it and the third loses it. Yeah. So, you know, that's that's the real question for, you know, a lot of entrepreneurs who are really playing the long game is how do you raise kids with a sense of perspective and, uh, you know, have them understand that they're in a really privileged position and equip them to kind of do something with it. And I think, I, and I think the only way is to, you know, give them the gift of, you know, your struggle. Everybody needs struggle. And the, the thing about... The thing psychologically I can tell you about this, and this is absolutely true, there's there's tons of evidence to back this up, is that, you know, you everyone will find some way to struggle and even people who have everything will experience pain in their life. And, you know, that's why we see these ultra privileged people have some very admittedly first world, but but very painful problems, you know, with, with tr- compulsive behavior and addictions and things like that. Yes. And so... Yeah, yeah that's, I think I think Getty was smart enough to see all that coming. Yeah, now we'll, we'll project it. Do you know if you're going to have a boy, a girl? Are you are you uh, even it's, curious it's, to, it's, to know? He's, he's a boy, and oh, he arrives awesome. on the 27th of September if he uh, cooperates with the doctor's schedule. <laughs> okay, well, he, 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 that's congratulations. You'll you'll, you'll to, on being a father and a family and a, and having a, a son. What would you tell your son if you project him out when he's a, of of uh, fairly coherent age we could be really soon but let's say he's three years old and you're you're walking and talking and there's not you know he's not being a rousing around or anything what would you what will you share with your son about what who you are what you've done and what you're doing oh man tom this question <laughs> i'm not ready for this i'm just thinking about how i'm gonna maybe the biggest question you've right had. now yeah this is this is a big one yeah. look i don't know i think that i look i looking back at my childhood i think that i get on great with my parents you know and i owe them a lot and i had a wonderful childhood i do think that one of the things i think about a lot that a lot of people can you, you know a lot of entrepreneurs i've talked to can relate to is that I grew up with well-meaning parents who inadvertently rewarded and complimented me a lot of the time for innate kind of talent. I grew up as a kid and I was a smart kid. I was the kind of kid who never had to work that hard at school. I used to get A's in not all subjects, but a lot of subjects kind of effortlessly, didn't have to study that kind of thing. And so I heard a lot of, I got a lot of positive feedback about things like that. I heard a lot about how talented I was and how kind of effortlessly smart and almost (laughs) expressed in a sort of genetic way, right? Like it's like, you know, natural gifts. And one of the things that I've learned is that I think that that may have contributed to the, to the battle, the lifelong struggle that I had to kind of push myself to become more of an execution powerhouse to understand that, you know, some of the best things in life literally can't be faked and and can't be kind of glided through relatively effortlessly, right? That hard work is required. And so the thing that I would do, you know, for my son and for any, you know, kid that I have in the future is, is really encourage and reward dedication hard work and a willingness to try things and to fail and then pick oneself up from that failure and sort of dust off and try again. And I I know it's a cliche, but I think it's just such a simple thing that kind of trains like a small human and in how to think about what to aim for in life, what to optimize for, where you should be focused. And I think that I think fearlessness and a willingness to work hard to make things happen, to get what you want in life is, you know, if there was anything that I could wish upon my my son who's about to be born, that's what I would want. Peter, it's been an absolute honor and thrill having you on the show today. Thank you. Thank you very much. Yeah, thanks for having me. These were some crazy, unexpected <laughs> and awesome questions. So thanks for, uh, thanks for going deep with me. It's been a real pleasure. Thank you. Likewise, you've been listening to The Modern Architect. I'm Tom Dioro. Our guest today has been Peter Schallard, founder and CEO at Commit to Action. Commit to Action helps business owners outsource their battle for focus and effectiveness. Their executive effectiveness aid service turns entrepreneurs into the highest leverage versions of themselves. Peter is also the shrink for entrepreneurs who want wealth, freedom, and sanity so they can create impact. For more information, feel free to visit www.petershallard.com. That's www.petershallard.com. Join us again next time when we welcome another outstanding architect, engineer, influencer, or civic leader committed to positive and sustainable cities, communities, and lives. 
The Modern Architect is recorded at Stanford University Studios in Palo Alto, California, and is a production of KZC Radio. Today, the recording engineer is Darlene Franklin, chief engineer Mark Lawrence, and we're all assisted by Akshay Jaggi. And the executive producer and host of The Modern Architect is Tom Diaro. If you wish to contact us, our email address is interviews at kzcu.stanford.edu. Again, that's interviews at kzcu.stanford.edu. Are you an architect, designer, contractor, or engineer? Modeler.com is a platform connecting architects and other specifiers with building product manufacturers.
Modeler.com's engaged network of 168,000 architects, designers, and construction professionals use Modeler.com's tools to discover, discuss, and specify products appropriate for building projects. We at KZSU Stanford thank Modeler.com for the generous underwriting of the production and broadcasting costs of The Modern Architect.